What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Thanks for tuning in once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks so much for checking out the show. Welcome aboard. Fresh episodes coming at you every Friday on iTunes or Podomatic app. You can also uh, check out the official website for the show, dancablepresents.com, where you can find the newest episode of the podcast, as well as uh, links to other things like the Dan Cable Presents YouTube channel, which you should also subscribe to. And uh, check out all the videos on there from some of our in-studio sessions over the past two years, I guess, is uh, what, what we're approaching. So, um, yeah, tons of videos on there. Um, also, just premiered my first Pickathon interview. Uh, Pickathon put that out via Vortex Magazine, which that's awesome. My, uh, my my interview with Courtney Granger is now available, so if you you can find that on Vortex Magazine's website, and uh, yeah, shout out to Vortex uh, for uh, always supporting this show and whatnot. Um, yeah, also if you want to support the show and the podcast in a free way, um, the best way to do so is to hit subscribe on the iTunes where you're listening and um, click the writer review and give the show five stars and say a few nice words. And then you are directly contributing to the sustainability of this thing. Um, as, as silly as it seems, those iTunes reviews are extremely important and um, they are the way that the show makes it into the top of the iTunes charts. And for any of you, they listen to podcasts on the regular and, and often search through those charts. You know how the, how helpful they are for you to find new podcasts to listen to because there are there are thousands of podcasts available on the interweb. So please, if you have not done so yet, just leave the review, you know, and subscribe. And then the episode will pop up for you every Friday. It'll just when I upload it, as soon as I upload it, it's popping right into your feed so you know it's there. So that'd be super amazing if uh, if y'all could do that and uh, encourage others to do it as well. So uh, do that, okay? Do that shit, do that shit, do it. Um, got a great show in store for you. I uh, just want to shout out some calendar dates, though, before we get into this episode with Ryan Lahan from Mating Ritual. Uh, very cool conversation. Uh, let's get into the, the calendar dates. Uh, December 12th has been canceled. That was a show that I was supposed to play with Isabeau. I was going to play a solo acoustic show with the wonderful and talented Isabeau uh, over there at the Alberta Street Pub on December 12th. That has been canceled, and we're working on a reschedule at the moment. Um, in the meantime, check out Isabeau's episode because she crushes uh, it's episode 65, I believe, in studio. You can find videos on the YouTube channel, as mentioned before. So check that out. 
Um, what is going down is December 16th, the Dan Cable presents Holidays Party, second annual, second annual. Did I say second annual? Yep, we're coming at, oh no, not another one. Yeah, we're doing another one. It's going down at the uh, Alberta Street Pub, and that's December 16th, killer good lineup. We got some aliens. We got Maxwell Cabana, and uh, we got the prize. So if you've been waiting to come out to uh, a show this year, um, I would encourage you to come out to this one because it's going to be quite a good time. And we're gonna, we're gonna, it's gonna have capacity probably pretty early. So maybe get there early. You know, show's gonna start at nine, nine o'clock sharp, nine o'clock sharp, nine o'clock sharp. Be there. You should be there. It's a ten dollar cover, and uh, you're contributing your dollars towards three really amazing groups and uh yeah they they're gonna put on a killer one so come on out for that and then december 19th at the doug fur super happy to be a sponsor along with vortex music magazine for a uh a benefit show going down at the doug fur and it is to support um houses homes being built for uh people that are financially um not able to provide a home or or have one so it's a very cool cause to help out the less fortunate um so that's going down at the doug fur three killer bands my friends in camp crush um the get ahead is playing and foxy lemon love foxy lemon eddie shout out to eddie their drummer he's been on this show he's been on the podcast with the pining hearts and uh eddie's just one of those dudes that definitely puts a big smile on your face when you run into him somewhere he's a Really good dude. So, uh, yeah, December 19th, Doug Fur. Killer show, great lineup, and also, like I said, for a really good cause. So, check that out. Um, in regards to this episode, if you are in the Bay Area or Los Angeles area this coming weekend uh, on release day, um, Mating Ritual, who's on this episode of the podcast, uh, Ryan Lahan, very cool dude. I really enjoyed the chat that we had and um, we only had like 25, 30 minutes because can't be chatting it up for hours on end before you uh, take the stage, especially when you're doing, you know, back to back shows and whatnot. You got to save the voice. So um, it was cool to get some time with him. I did feel like we probably could have talked a lot longer if uh, if we were allowed to if if that was the jam so it was it was cool to hang with ryan he is a he's a very very good songwriter and seems to uh i don't know kind of be one of these complete artists that really is able to take the whole creation into his own hands and we talk about how he decided to uh self-release this record as well on his own label and uh i really um i dug it it was cool and and also just to hear you know like he has done the major label thing and and probably had the opportunity to do it again this time but he decided to to really take everything into his hands and 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 just really i don't know i think that's it's a brave approach and uh it's ambitious and and I dig that, and 
with the acknowledgement of, you know, what the major label may have to offer. I just think it's, it's very cool when you, when you don't have to compromise on anything and when you are really just putting this thing out into the world and it's all you and, uh, very cool shit. So, um, yeah. Mating ritual. Like I said, <laughs> sorry, completely just diverted from the, the dates, but mating ritual is in San Francisco tonight at the brick and mortar music hall. And, uh, December 2nd, in Santa Ana at the Constellation Room, and uh, December 3rd, Sunday. Sunday, December 3rd at the Moroccan Lounge in Los Angeles, California. So, uh, yeah, check check it out. Check out Mating Ritual. We're about to get into the conversation with Ryan. Um, and we are going to kick it off with the first track on the, the Mating Ritual record. And uh, this track is called I Wear Glasses. This is Mating Ritual. Get into it. Episode 87. Thanks for tuning in. Here we go.
Ryan Lahan, what's shaking, man? Not too much, man. I'm just warming up with some tea right now. Right on. Hanging out here at uh, the Crystal Ballroom, the the Lola's room here in Portland, with the uh, the human behind uh, the band mating ritual. Hey. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, this room's kind of this room's cool, but this is a bouncy fucking floor, dude. Yeah, that's like, the that's a thing. It's it's so bizarre, dude. It's just uh, it's like the it's the thing that everybody mentions. It's unsettling. Like when I walk through with gear, I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. Like, is this gonna happen? It's just like any anytime someone is coming to the Crystal Ballroom for a show for the first time, the first thing that is mentioned to them usually is all oh, the floor, man, the bouncy floors. It's, it's pretty it's it's wild. I've definitely been to some shows here during like the crowd uh demanding their their encore where it just feels like the floor is just gonna give way. I've we played this venue, my old band, Pacific Air, we toured a lot, and we did this venue, and I forget what it's called, but it's in Pittsburgh, and it's a church. And when you're out there, it doesn't feel like it's moving that much, but the green room is under, like in the basement, and when people get going, it feels, it's the most terrifying feeling I've ever had at a venue. It <laughs> feels like someone's about to fall on your head, like a thousand people will. Um. Yeah, man, Pacific Air was, uh, would you say that was kind of the, the band where you kind of cut your teeth and had your first real serious dive into the It's actually my second dream? band. Okay. Yeah, I had a band before that called White Apple Tree that was something I did in high school. I don't really talk about it that much, not because I'm ashamed of it, it's just it's so far from what I do now. Yeah. And, I, and it's also, like, timeline-wise, it's far away, so I don't really think about it. But we did, like, a, it was never a really an American band. I live here, obviously, but it did well overseas in Germany. And which is Germany has such a weird taste. Like you never know what's gonna go like pop off over there. Yeah. So I don't think the music that I was making at the time was good at all. So I'm pretty surprised that it ever did well. It's but always it's always pretty interesting to to find people that their music really does well in another country. It's so weird. It's and it's like and then like like not trying to toot my own horn too much, but like it went like triple platinum. Like, oh, wow. it went very like we were on Columbia over there. So it like it was like number one on the radio for about like six months in 2009. And it was just like, what is going on? Like I recorded that while I was sick in my bedroom and it sounds like shit. There's no reason why this song should be popular <laughs> in a country where they don't speak this language. <laughs> while that was going on, did you have the opportunity to go over there and, and do some touring? No, at the behest of putting people down, it wasn't the team that I had behind me was like a high school team essentially so we didn't really have the the know-how to make things work we should have been over there um we are going over there uh, in spring actually for the first time as mating ritual nice we'll probably subtly try to market that get that old get that song out there um so taking it back before it was white apple tree white apple tree taking it back before that when did you actually start playing music and, and getting into it uh i was a late bloomer like I, I was, my mom loves music. No one in my family plays music. My my grandpa, my great grandpa had a his buddy Lacombe orchestra, so he apparently that's where I'm, every time a family member realizes I'm still playing music, like just like Buddy, I'll be like, <laughs> okay, cool. But uh, no, I played. I was really more focused on basketball growing up, and I tore my MCL in high school, and couldn't play, and just kind of fell into playing bass. Um, at a church I was going to because there was a girl I really liked and I thought that would be a good way to get her attention. (laughs) 
Uh, I only I only played at church for a little bit because then I just found I really like playing music and kind of stopped doing everything else. Yeah. So so once you started doing it, it really took over and you discovered. Well, everything was so hard in not in my life, my life, but like basketball didn't come easy to me. Like I had to like I worked my ass off and I was all about the hard work thing. And then when I started playing music, I didn't have to work at all. Everything just like clicked and I like I was writing like a song a day only knowing how to play a bass guitar. So I was like, well, this is weird. Like, I don't have any training and it's all just working right now. So I figured that maybe I should just go that direction. For sure, were you, uh, when you started writing those songs, were you writing lyrics and everything? Like yeah. complete compositions for the, for those? Yeah, it was started really, really quick. I was all, like when I first started playing bass, I was terrified of being like the lyricist. I was always like, oh, I think I could sing if I wanted to, but I, I could never do that. And then it's it's not hard. You just got to speak what's on your mind. Yeah, for sure. And, and that just sort of progressed and in, into to different bands and. Yeah, it's weird. I've only I've not I haven't really played in other bands so much. It's I've only done my music essentially. Like, I've never really done the whole cover band thing. Um, I don't really enjoy playing covers in Mating Ritual or any of the bands. Like, we'll do one from time to time, but there's something that just doesn't feel entirely genuine about it to me because I'm interpreting someone else's work. Which the competitor in me is like, if I'm not making it better, why am I doing this? Like, and if it, and if, and that, to that point, if like a lot of our new stuff is in like the 80s realm, if we were to cover Joy Division, it'd be like, well, that's better than what we're doing. That's just gonna make our music sound like <laughs> shit. So, like, no, that's a, that's a very uh, good perspective to have, I think. You know, it's like, if you aren't going to make a cover at least different or, or better, you know, like, what is the point in putting out, a, like, a full production of a, of a cover? Agreed. Yeah. Like, you're just trying to... Sometimes it just feels like a sequel. Like, that doesn't... Like, a movie sequel doesn't need to be there. You know, it's just a cash grab. Like, a lot of times, like, well, check this out. You like Morrissey, you'll like us. It's like, uh, I'm, I might not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, originally, were you... Are you from Oklahoma then? I know you no, 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 no. My uh, my family, my grandma's family is okay. And so I know we were talking about my last name. My yeah, mom, my grandma's weird. That's right. Reasoning behind it. My last name is Lahan, L A W H O N, which I've never thought about it as being weird, but nobody, no one gets the pronunciation right. And it's because I just I've never thought about it another way. And so we asked our grandma one time, like, why, why, why are we named this? We've never seen anyone else this name. She's like, everyone in Oklahoma has it. They just pronounce it Lawhorn or Lawson. And I'm like, wait, those are different words. <laughs> like, so it's a, uh, yeah. But no, I'm not from Oklahoma. I've, I've only lived in California. Okay. I was raised in the Bay Area, uh, moved around a lot as a kid, and kind of ended up in San Diego. Right on. But I've lived in L.A. for the past almost six years. Um, you found that to be a pretty comfortable environment for yourself as, as far as being a, an artist there? Yeah, I love L.A. I know it's like, I know there's a lot of like preconceived notions about what L.A. is and they're not wrong, but it happens to be such a vast city that even you just find if you don't like something about the city, go to a different area because every hood is entirely different. Like I live in Mount Washington, Highland Park, yeah. which is exact like little like little Portland. But then if I go one mile away i'm in hollywood and it's you get to see the shit show that is that yeah so it's absolutely just, it's very interesting and it says i'm never bored there if i ever get bored of my friends or my area i can just go one mile away so yeah i i grew up outside of la so 
I don't know. I've always kind of like I understand, like you said, the preconceived notions, and and those are those are definitely there and, and present, but it definitely has a lot more to offer. Oh yeah, than especially as a musician, it's so nice. It's I feel like the music, especially the musical hubs in America, tend to like rotate. I feel like for the whole 2000s, it was New York, and like the 90s was like Seattle and Portland, and now it's 100% LA. Like everyone's shifted back there now, and so it's fun to be. It's fun that I can like throw a rock in any direction, and there's going to be a producer or a songwriter, and it's just like there's always interesting stuff happening. And when stuff when that's around you, you feel like it ups your creativity. Whether it's com- competitiveness or whatever it is, you just feel a little empowered by it. So it's a lot of fun doing that. Yeah, it's it's amazing to be around a bunch of people that are that are creating things that that want to make you push harder or just inspire you so much that you're just there's nothing like going to see a show and when you leave you want to go play music or go write music it's so much fun and it's like and i do that one of two ways like i either love the show so much that i'm like man i want to do i want to feel that way or i hate it so much that it's like man i gotta i gotta prove to myself that live shows are good and we can do this and so yeah it's it's interesting i feel like there's i feel like i'm seeing a lot better shows now than i used to um and i don't know what that is i don't know if it's i don't i don't necessarily think that music's getting better i think i'm just more open-minded now i used to be very very picky and i'm just kind of accepting more no i I feel you finding finding things to appreciate about stuff that you wouldn't normally yeah and if someone doesn't perform it perfectly it doesn't mean it's a bad show and that would that would turn me off before and now it's just part of the humanizing element of a live show yeah I don't know. I mean, yeah, there's there's the human elements, but it I mean, you can't it be It does awful. always blow my mind sometimes when you you know, you fall in love with the record and then you you finally see this band live and you're like, "Oh, they can't do th- like they don't recreate this no. very well at all." And it's funny the bands cuz I just saw my brother and I who plays in Maiden Ritual as well. He, we went to go see one of our favorite records of last year and it was awful like and we love this and it's not like this crazy production thing with a lot of electronics or anything where it's kind of forgivable it was like classic rock almost so it's like wait how do you not what what's going on i think he was he was he was having an off night on i'm pretty sure he was pretty pretty high yeah like he wasn't making like in between songs he wasn't making sense I mean, that's also a thing I try to consider, too, especially with local bands, um, like going to shows out here in Portland. It's like, uh, I don't know if I can if I can see something good in that that first show, even if it's not great, I'll kind of want to go to the second time just to see, like, was this just a a shitty night for them or and and a lot of times I I find that it it was was just like, oh, yeah, like this dude couldn't hear the whole time. Yeah. Oh, I just had that happen in San Diego, like three days ago the front of house guy normally we bring our own sound guy but this is a pretty short run run right now so we can just put it in the hands of the house people and he i use in-ears which means i can't hear anything else on stage but what's in my headphones he turned everything else up but me and i mean he turned me off so i couldn't hear my vocals or my guitar the whole show and when i asked for more he would start turning everything else up to the point where my ears were ringing all night long and I was on my lowest setting and I was just like, it was, it was very frustrating and it's, 
it's nights like that where even though apparently the people sent me videos like my mom was there and she's like oh you did good honey it was nice and she sent me a bunch of videos i was like oh okay that's nice but it still gets in your head as a performer and that's another time where you want to get back out there and like prove yourself and so it's nice i've been giving more bands chances because of things like that for sure um yeah Working with those in-ear monitors like that, do you feel like it's ever hard to feel what's going on like with the people in the room outside of the, the in-ear monitors? It depends on the venue entirely. Because some venues, not usually at the size rooms we're doing right now, um, but when you play bigger rooms, there's like crowd mics. Yeah. So you get that vibe. Like, okay. So it, it feels like you're in the room. There's a bunch of like auxiliary mics around stage pointed out, so you're, you got the okay. natural energy. Um, but in rooms like this, I pop one out. Okay. Because I can still, like, I mean, it's still, we play very, very loud. So we can still hear everything and it gives me that, like, nice energy. But I have all my pitch and everything I need in one ear and the rest is the room. For sure. Uh, how long have you been able to, uh, like, had the opportunity to have your, your brother play alongside you? He's played with me since we were kids. Since my, I've used my first, he was in White Apple Tree, he was in Pacific Air. And him, Pacific Air was me and him. It was a duo. Okay. Mating ritual. Um, he took a step back and wanted to do work on other stuff. And then as of late, he has been working with me a lot more. And so he's going to, I don't know if it's going to become a duo or anything like that again. But, but he's, he's taking on some more roles. Yeah, he's writing a lot again. Awesome. And so we just finished a new record. Well, we're about to send it off to Mix. And he co-wrote almost the whole thing. So it's nice pretty exciting. Too. It's nice when you have chemistry. Um, cause we, like I said, I moved around a lot as a kid and he was there obviously. So we kind of didn't have the opportunity to make a lot of other friends. Like we could, but they weren't ever permanent. We knew it was like a six month relationship and then we were going to move again. And so we just kind of, Oh, hello. Look at that cool sound. I think it's the water. <laughs> I was trying to get a cup of it earlier and it made that sound. It freaked me out. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so we're just really comfortable with each other because we were raised together. And so we just have this kind of unspoken understanding where we don't even say a lot. And it can be frustrating to the band members sometimes because we'll, we'll know what we want and we won't communicate it very well. Right. Just so. because you have your own form of communication yeah. with one another. Mm -hmm. I'm, pro I'm definitely worse at that than he is. He's pretty good at it. I always think that's such a, a cool and interesting dynamic when you know, siblings get the opportunity to go around and play music together and and express your your art like that like i would just uh also think maybe it, it tears down some of those boundaries that you have maybe with with bandmates because you're you are comfortable enough to directly communicate what you want yeah to that person at least and not yeah. have to feel bad about it or exactly and it's it's been nice because we've we've worked together for so long now and we tend to like to have friends around on the road and so we don't always look for outside help we like to bring in people that we know and are comfortable with so it's it's, it's, it's fun like we're gonna be on the road six months a year why not have fun while you're out there um but when you bring friends on the road one thing that can happen is there are times when things need to get done and i'm usually a little too direct and so we've learned we've had a nice like good cup bad cup vibe going where he he's good cup and i have to step in yeah i don't like to and it's i don't do it very well no but you you have to yeah like, somebody has to at some yeah, point for sure yeah um you know you mentioned moving around a lot as a kid do you find that that touring and 
being on the road is, is kind of almost an ideal situation or a, a situation that you're really comfortable in then? I love it. I mean, I don't like it all the time. Like, my ideal situation is what we're doing right now. Like, two or three weeks on, a month off. And that's, like, it's perfect because then I get, to, I get time at home to work. And because I work in film and TV mostly. And so I get time to do that. But then I also get my wanderlust, like, kind of filled and, like, Moving around, we had to adjust to new environments. We don't really have to adjust. Like, I'm in Portland just for today, and I saw the surrounding four blocks, the inside of the venue, and I'm going to probably leave after. And so you don't really get to experience the city as much as you'd like to, but it is nice to have different surroundings, different people, and just different cuisines, especially. Like, we love eating on the road. It's kind of our thing. So this is obviously an ideal city to, oh, yeah. to make that happen. Um, a lot of pork here. Yeah, it's been brought up a lot on this podcast, especially with touring acts and spe- people that spend a lot of time on the road. But I just think the general public, you know, they they don't realize that there's so much that goes in to the day of the show, and mm-hmm. and usually it involves three to eight hour drives, and oh, yeah. then a load in that is six hours before you're even going to take the stage. We had to be here at two today for load in, and we were on at eleven. Yeah, so. And we didn't really realize that, and we had a very long light night. We were in Seattle, and we went out afterwards, and so I think I was out to like six, and then I didn't. Re- I thought we had a later sound check, so I was pretty hungover when I got here. <laughs> <laughs> right on, man. Let's uh, let's get into another track off the off the record. Cool. We'll play a, a jam called Second Chance right now. I wrote this song a thousand times. Cause all the messes that I make are getting difficult I take my life, I box it up I light a match and take a breath and watch the flames do what they want When I was really young, my father taught me fire Cleanses everything, a fresh set of your dreams But now Get up. 
uh, talk to me about uh, this this debut record, man. The, how are you going to stop it and, and how this thing kind of came together? It was a long, long time. It wasn't ever intended to be a record. Uh, Mating Ritual was not really intended to be a band ever. It was supposed to be like a vessel for me to release a couple songs every now and then so I could feel good about what I'm doing on the, in the TV side because I write a lot for like commercials and TV shows and stuff. And that can be a little soul-sucking because you're just basically like solving a puzzle for what a scene needs which is fulfilling sometimes but i needed something to like my own release so that was mating ritual and that was the idea and then as more and more songs started to come i think we i stacked up over a hundred of like finished songs and i was like why why am i not putting out like a record why why would i not tour again why don't why can't i do this and so how you're gonna stop it was kind of I'm not even going to say the best songs from a three-year period, but it was the songs I thought worked best together and gave an idea of what I wanted to be and wanna, where I want to go. Yeah. Um, do you feel like doing the work in the the TV and film stuff has informed the way you write songs at all? Uh, I, definitely, but not consciously. I'd, I'd, it's helped me strip the fat away a lot because in... When you're looking for something that's you're trying to fill a scene up, you have more than four instruments. There's somebody talking. There's dialogue already. Like anything more than that's just noise that detracts. And so, that's been something that I've really tried to like hone in on with mating ritual is pulling back. I tend to add way. I really love new age music, and new age is all about layers. And so I tend to try to do that with these pop songs, and they can tend to feel a little too dense. So that's probably my biggest thing is learning to peel things back and only putting in the essentials. Yeah, man, the production on on the record is like really beautiful. And Thanks, dude. It sounds like sonically, it's a, sounds great, and like I, I just love all the synthy shit. And Thanks, man. Yeah, I'm really proud because we did that. I just did that all in my like apartment, and so it was outside. We did, we I tracked drums on a couple songs um, in a studio, but outside of that, it was all there. I did like a I did a, we did one song. Um, on a cruise because Taylor, my brother was supposed to go on a cruise with his girlfriend and uh, she forgot her passport <laughs> or she didn't know that her passport was expired like a week before. So he's like, fuck, what am I like? What are we going to do? I'm like, I'll go, man. Let's just do this. <laughs> and so we brought a bunch of music equipment. We tracked a song on there and uh, we rode off the entire trip. That's killer. <laughs> <laughs> as far as like instrumentation then on the record, do you play most of most I, of I play stuff? everything but drums. Okay. And so I am not very good at drums. And but I mean half the records program drums anyway, and I do that. And so um, the new stuff that we're doing, my brother and I kind of split duties on a lot, but it's kind of become he does anything with black and white keys and I do everything else. Nice. So he's a much better piano player than I am. Yeah, like drums and percussion, especially on the the jam we just played, Second Chance, like so fucking cool, man. That was that was so much fun because I just I went and I tracked a bunch of like random sounding like things like bo- like bottles and goofy goofy stuff you'd find around a house, and then I put a bunch of tape echo on it and just kind of let them go, and it kind of just fell into place. Yeah, very cool, man. And um. As far as like the original demos and ideas for songs, are, are those very far away from what actually becomes the complete jam on the record? This might not be super satisfying of an answer, but it kind of is totally different per song. Because some of the songs you hear, the demo is the final version. There's nothing else made. It's I tend to write 
production and songwriting at the same time. Like I'd only recently have I started picking up a guitar and like finishing a song before I think about what's going to, what instruments will actually play it. Most of the time I start with drums. And so when you start with drums, your production's halfway done. It's kind of, and it kind of dictates itself for you. So the demo is, I mean, there'll be, there'll be things that are cleaned up, but it's, it's mainly mix issues and maybe overdub a couple things. So I would say most of that record for sure, that those songs are the demos. Nice. Yeah, I really dig uh, Cold and Night Lies, which uh, feature Lizzie Land. Yeah. How'd you, how'd you link up with Lizzie? Uh, Lizzie sang on Pacific Air's record as okay. well. Um, I was living in New York briefly, and she was in Portland. She's from Portland. Yeah, I, I just found that. I'm completely new to Lizzie, so I, yeah. I was doing a little bit of research on her and saw that, that she's from here. I don't know if she's currently no she lives in. she lives uh in mount washington too, okay in right um so we we linked up like 2012 um because my manager at the time was looking for we were just desperately trying we had a bunch of really talented singers like from pretty big bands and we were like we were so excited that anyone even wanted to work with us and none of them came through like they they, they did the track but they just didn't sound right and he's like hey i found this girl she works with another one of my acts. Let's give it a shot. And it was, was perfect. And so uh, I didn't see her again for like three years. And then when she moved to L.A., she played on, she sang at one of our shows. And then we just started hanging out. And we ended up making a bunch of music. Like I, my brother and I produce and write her songs, like for her project too. So awesome. yeah, I think I think her first song, I think she, she texted me like 10 minutes before we started saying my first song is it's it's birthday today so <laughs> she released her first song a year ago which she's it's pretty exciting yeah she's got a great voice and, and just the uh the way your two voices play off each other is is very complimentary yeah it's pretty cool she's got this she's such a better singer than i am it's so funny because I, I like i've gotten pretty good at recording and i know what to do pitch wise but she doesn't even think about it i never d have to do two takes with her the first take she's in. Like every song you heard was first take. That's killer. So it's it's pretty it's kind of a a raw talent you can't teach. Yeah, is it is it a struggle for you to like dial in vocals more in the studio opposed to being out on a stage in front of people? It was for a long time, but I say since about two thousand eleven I've really like found what I like to do. And I'm still experimenting. My voice is I wouldn't call myself a singer first. I've become a singer now, which is really exciting. Because I, I finally feel very confident. For years, I would write, I'd do a full production, then I'd be like, this is what the vocals are going to be like. And then I'd track them, and I'd be like, ugh, I hate this song. And it would ruin the whole cool instrumental I had. Now I never, that doesn't really happen anymore. I'm pretty, I know where I want the vocals to be, and I can kind of accomplish that pretty quickly. I'm sure that makes things a lot more efficient. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, 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 I, I feel real stressed out about it before, because I like, it was so bad when I was doing White Apple Tree. I wrote a whole record, but was scared to track the vocals because I just didn't know. And it like it wasn't even that my voice was terrible. I didn't know how to record vocals very well, and so I like it was a huge trial and error thing. So I like scrapped an entire record because when I started singing, I hated it. And it was like it was pretty dumb. Yeah, I think it can also just be kind of like shocking as the vocalist. Um, those first ex like studio experiences. Yeah. Just because you're you're used to being around the whole band singing these songs, and then all of a sudden you're just in this room with headphones and and yeah. trying to cr create that energy and find it. Yeah, and there's nothing to hide. It's like, oh yeah, shit, it's just, here it's I am. It's just your voice yeah. out there. 
Yeah, it's it's a. It was a process, but I'm so glad that I did it, and I'm so glad that I did it. I stuck stuck it out, and I like did it on my own too, because now I feel totally like. I, I now when I record it now when I track a song, as soon as the vocal idea comes to me, I record it. You, sometimes it's just with like dumb like whatever lyrics come to mind. I don't like it's almost like a stupid freestyle that's not intended to stay. Sometimes it's awesome. Sometimes the the very first demo take stays. So, right on, man. Well, yeah, vocals sound great, and they I mean they were great with Pacific Air and thanks. Um, and not to. You know, like knock the Pacific Air stuff in any way. I but hearing the mating ritual stuff, um, I just felt like it was just. It, it felt like it took everything great about Pacific Air and really like dialed it in even more. I agree. I I, I actually my brother and I listened to the Pacific Air record like two weeks ago, and we hadn't in a year or two years, something like that. And it's a good record, I think. I think it's a lot less interesting than I thought it was at the time. And I don't know. I feel like I, I didn't push myself at the time. I was doing something that I knew would sound okay. And I just did that every song. And so I think what you were talking about is like we pushed ourselves a lot more. I pushed myself a lot with a lot of this mating ritual stuff. And I think, not to pump it up too much because no one's heard it yet, but I think the second record is the same kind of leap, but forward more. Terribly, awesome. terribly said, but no, no, no. That, I mean, that's that's the that that should be how it is, yeah. Making those those strides yeah. and trying to push yourself beyond that that last release every time. It's fun. I'm a very competitive person, so it's really like I always want to beat something, and most of the time it's myself. Just like always be always one up what I did before. Just because I want to, I never want to, no one wants to peak at any point in your life, you know? That's not a great feeling to feel like the best days are behind you. And so I've just always strived to never let that be the case. For sure. And I would think also having the ability to play many different instruments is, is also going to be very helpful in creating new ideas. And you're not, I mean, I would just think it's a lot harder for somebody that's strapped into one instrument their entire career to like keep writing songs on the guitar if you never learn how to play a piano or or just anything else you can tend to fall into ruts for sure um when i play one instrument a little too much i will definitely tend to start repeating patterns which isn't a bad thing but it can stifle creativity a little bit and so it's 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 fun because i'm not like i'm not i'm more of a jack of all trades kind of guy i'm not i'd say i'm probably best at guitar now but still it's I, I focus more on composition, and so picking up a new instrument, just something new. I'm gonna think differently when I hear what what that guy's doing. Cool, man. Um, and you put this out on on your own label, Smooth Jaws. Yeah, um, I, I'm pretty excited about that actually, because um, I've worked within the major label system for both of my prior bands, and while that has its advantages, they pay a lot, and they can get you in front of a lot of people quickly. Um, it's really not fulfilling at all. And your vision and your art has to pass through so many different like hands that by the time the finished product comes out, um, and I don't mean simply music, I mean you as an artist, because that's really the product, is the artist, not the, not the music. You don't really feel like yourself as much. And so, like when we started Mating Ritual, we, we got like some... like 
major offers. And we decided, I was just like, no, I want to, I want to give this a shot. Like I want to try to ride this one out, especially with the way Spotify is right now and streaming. You don't need a label to get on those and you don't need a label to get your music now to millions of people around the world. So if you're writing good stuff, you're passionate about it and people will find that people still find that valuable. And so I want to give it a shot. And I think it's going pretty well so far. No, I appreciate that, that like ambition to do that and just kind of to take even more control over your art and not have any bullshit happen where you get like a record shelf that you've worked on so hard. Or have your band name changed by your label. <laughs> That sounded uh, personal. <laughs> uh, I hate the name Pacific Air. Oh, I hate it. That was the label's <laughs> choice. The band was called Coco before, and I love that. Get K-O-K-O. Um, which is kind there's a lot of different things with that there's like Coco Taylor there's the monkey there's the venue there's like there's a million different things that are similar but none exact and the label was just like we don't want to take chances which is another reason why I don't want to work with them yeah definitely definitely appreciate that man well I know you got you got a gig to play tonight I do and keep uh, this voice I was out really late so I gotta like stop talking <laughs> yeah yeah i appreciate you hanging out man i, I enjoyed our chat and um i really dig like some of these tunes are already like very much stuck and ingrained in my brain now um well thank you man i really appreciate that yeah absolutely it's it's a very cool record and it's got a lot of different vibes on it and uh just some very good catchy songwriting and but it's still got it's pop music with with lots of good character. Thanks. That's so. that's what I that's what I try to get, like the fringe pop stuff. Yeah. And so especially like on some of the like second chance and drunk are my two favorite tracks in the record, and mainly because of the lyrical content they're very like they're a little more poetic than I than I feel like a lot of pop music wants to go now. Because and that's not a, that's not a, that's not a slight on pop music. I understand the value in being direct and immediate connection with everybody. But drunk and second chance for me. I don't really reach for that. I kind of try to bring people into my personal life a little bit. And it's it's with two such big sounding pop songs, it's kind of almost off-putting to me and I like it a lot. Yeah, I was I was uh, stoked to find out that Drunk is one of your favorite jams because it is uh definitely my favorite jam. I love that tune. That and song went through like nine different versions, but uh that song was written after I was like heavily, if you listen back to it, you'll see it, hear it, but I was heavily inspired by James's uh, Laid from like, I don't know, like 92. And I was listening to it a lot and it's like, oh shit, I could do this. And it kind of like helped me pivot a little bit and like find more of where I wanted to go with things. Because Drunk was the last song. Drunk and Second Chance were the last ones done from that record. And the new record is much more in that vein. Right on. And where is the spot where everybody can keep up with mating ritual? Good uh, spots to do that? Uh, Probably, honestly, Instagram. I always used to struggle with that. I don't really use any social media that often except for Instagram. Um, I'm pretty terrible at it all until recently. We just like, hey, let's just fucking film everything. Yeah. Like, that's what that's. Let's just do it. <laughs> Nobody cares. And uh, and that's actually people are way more into it because it's, it's even a further glimpse into what we actually do every day. For sure. Instead of a curated view of it. So it's, uh, yeah, Instagram. I think we're ju just mating ritual. Cool, man. And I'll put the links to uh, the record and whatnot in the show notes. Brad, 
Um, we end every episode of the podcast with the guests saying the the tagline of the of the uh, of the podcast, which is "It's a program." So if you could give us a good, it's a program. It's a program. That's uh, that's Ryan from uh, Mating Ritual. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for having we're me, gonna, dude. We're going to play it out with uh, the song we were just talking about. We're going to play it out with Drunk. Hey, yo. So this is it, everybody. Check it out. Check out Mating Ritual. Check out the new record called How You Gonna Stop It. And uh, we will catch you on the flip side, Portland.
This has been a Dan Kevin program. Hey, don't forget to tell him it's a program. It's a program.